بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. Continuing with the book of Salah from the Umda al-Fiqh of the Imam Ibn Qudam al-Maqdasi rahmatullah alayhi. From today's session, we have we're going to deal with the chapter pertaining to the prostrations of forgetfulness. And before this chapter, in the text that you have as your guide, as your student guide. Uh, the author, he speaks about the arkan and the wajibat. He speaks about the pillars and the obligations of the salah. And I did ask that people read ahead. Uh, the reason that I'm not going to be taking this chapter of the pillars and the obligations is that I've been mentioning them throughout the uh, description of the prayer. So whenever we came across them in the description of the prayer, we mentioned what was a pillar and we mentioned what was a wajib. And also you had the opportunity to read ahead. So we're going to dive straight in today with Allah's permission to the chapter which is known as Babu Sajdatay Sahu. The chapter pertaining to the prostrations of forgetfulness. So this word Sahu, Yasha, it means to forget. If it comes with the preposition Fi, the preposition Fi, Saha Fi, then it means that a person forgot something. If it comes with the preposition An, Saha'an, it means that a person left something off. And this was mentioned by the great Imam of the language, Ibn Athir in An-Nihaya. So the Prophet ﷺ here alluded to Sajjud al-Sahu in many ahadith. From them in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, إِذَا زَادَ الرَّجْلُ أَوْ نَقَصَ فَلْيَسْجُدْ سَجْدَتَيْنِ If a person increases in the prayer or has deficiency in the prayer pertaining to the arkan or the wajibat, the uh, pillars and the obligations, then the person should prostrate to prostrations for the forgetfulness. So these two prostrations for forgetfulness, they are to be done in the fard salah, in the obligatory salah, or the nafal salah, the supererogatory salah. But not in the salat al-janazah, not in the funeral prayer, and nor is it to be done in the sajda, in the sujood, the prostration of tilawa, or prostration of shukr. It's only for the obligatory prayers and the supererogatory nafil prayers. So an important thing to note here before we get into the details is that these two prostrations, the scholars, they discuss them uh, in terms of where they should be done. Um, so they discuss them in terms of afdaliya. Afdaliya means preference. So the whole discussion revolves around what is preferred. Should it be before the taslim, before you say assalamu alaikum rahmatullah, or should it be after the taslim? So these two prostrations by consensus can be done before the salah or they can be done after the salah. So knowing this point makes it easy upon the beginning student of knowledge that when they're going through a text such as the one that we're going through, whenever the author says that you should do it before the taslim, before you say assalamu alaikum, or he says you should do it after the taslim, this is with regards to the preference. It's preferred to do it in such a situation. However, if you chose to do them all before the taslim, uh, the, uh, the prostrations of forgetfulness if that is your stance you wanted to take or you wanted to do it after the taslim then that is well and fine and there's no situation according to the consensus consensus of the scholars inshallah ta'ala so the author he said that this um, prostrating for forgetfulness happens or can occur or is legislated for three situations أحدها, one of these situations is يَادُتُ فِعْلٍ مِنْ جِنْسِهَا كَرَكَعَةٍ 
one of these situations where it's legislated for you to prostrate, the, the two prostrations for forgetfulness, is if somebody has increased in the prayer from an act of the prayer. Like, for example, they did an extra rakah, they did an extra unit of prayer. Or ruklin, or they increased an extra pillar of the prayer. So if the person did something extra from this intentionally, then this invalidates the prayer and the prayer would have to be started again. However, if the person did it out of forgetfulness, they increased araka or they increased a ruku or any other of the pillars of the prayer, and the person did this out of forgetfulness, then this is not an issue. They would um, continue with the prayer and they would prostrate for forgetfulness at the end of the prayer. The author, he continues and he said, Now if the person has increased in the prayer and they realize whilst they are doing that increased action, for example, they have done a fifth rakah in a four rakah salah, in a salah, in a prayer which has only four units, they've stood up for a fifth rakah, a fifth unit, then as soon as the person remembers, they sit down immediately. So the person is in the fifth rakah, they got up for the fifth unit of the prayer forgetfully, instead of making the tashahud al-akhir, the person thought it was the tashahud al-awsat, and they got up for another rakah. Then the person, as soon as they remember, they sit down immediately, and they do this without making the takbir. They just sit down immediately to finish the prayer. And the reason they sit down immediately, as soon as they have remembered and they don't persist is because it's forbidden to add to the prayer that which is not from it right that's so an extra rakah or an extra ruku or extra sujood or any of these things it's not permitted for you to add so as soon as you remember that you're doing an addition an addition you have to stop straight away so the person who got up for the extra rakah in this example that the author is giving they sit straight away without making the takbir um the person sits for the tashahud al-akhir if the person has not already done this tashahud al-akhir and then makes sajood al-sahwu and makes taslim. If the person has already made the last tashahud, then you make the sujood al-sahwu, the two prostrations, and then you make the taslim. If the person is in a situation where the extra that they are doing in the prayer is a recitation, is a statement which is legislated to be in the prayer. For example, if a person says in the prayer, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, they say this in the ruku instead of the sujood. So Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la is to be said in the sujood. However, the person says it instead in the ruku. So any recitation which is legislated in the prayer, if it's said in the wrong place, then there's no sujood sahu for this situation. Whether the person did it forgetfully, or the person did it intentionally. In both cases, there is no sujood sahu for an increase, uh, not an increase, for having said the statements of the prayer in the wrong place. So if you say, for example, as we mentioned, the subhana rabbi al-a'la in the ruku, instead of the sujood, then there's nothing upon you, and you don't have to make the sujood sahu. And of course, uh, the optimum position is that you should avoid doing this in any case, but if you happen to do it, then there's nothing upon you. The author, he said, وَإِن سَلَّمَ عَنْ نَقْصٍ فِي صَلَاتِهِ If a person, the author is now going to mention that if a person concludes the prayer by making the taslim, however, they have left out a ruqn. So the person concludes the prayer but has left out a ruqn, بِمَا بَقِيَ عَلَيْهِ مِنْهَا Then the person must go back to the prayer and complete 
the rukun, the pillar that they left out and continue the prayer thereon from thereafter. And then you make the two prostrations of forgetfulness after that. So, a point to mention here is that this is mentioned with the chapter or with the, uh, the section of deficiencies. So he's mentioning what is um, deficient, but in fact, it's actually, it is, it is put with the ziyadah, it is put with the increase. So the author, he started talking about um, if you do an increase of a ruku, you do X, Y, and Z as we explained. But now the author has come to the statement where he said, in salama and naqsin. If the person completes the prayer, but they had a part of the prayer missing. So even though this is a naqs, this is the prayer has been incomplete. Okay, it's put with ziyada, it's put with an increase because the net result of the actions after having gone back to the part of the prayer which was missing, and then you do the two prostrations of forgetfulness and you have an extra taslim, then this all adds up to being an extra. That's why the author he put this sentence with the section where he's talking about the extra actions. طيب, the author, he says, وَلَوْ فَعْلَ مَا لَيْسَ مِنْ جِنْسِ صَلَاهُ If the person does from the prayer, does something in the prayer which is not from the legislated actions of the prayer, like for example, the person talks forgetfully or the person drinks something or eats something forgetfully or laughs or something of, nature, of this nature, he or she does something from the prayer which is not legislated in the prayer, then it doesn't matter whether the person did this on purpose or the person did it forgetfully. Okay? The ruling will be the same. So if the person does an action from the prayer and this action is a lot, which is not from the actions of the prayer, so the person does actions in the prayer which are not from the legislated actions of the prayer, and they are a lot, then this will make the prayer void and invalid. Why? Because it causes the mu'alat. Mu'alat is continuity. It causes the continuity between the pillars of the prayer to be interrupted. So in the prayer, there should be continuity from pillar to pillar. Okay? From the ruku to the sujood, then to the next sujood, then to the standing up from the next rakah. So if the person does a lot of actions which are not legislated to be in the prayer, it's as though they are interrupting the continuity between one pillar to the next, and that's why it would cause the prayer to be invalid. So the author said that if, if these actions are a lot, so what does it mean? How do we determine what is a lot in the sharia of these actions which are not legislated from the prayer? The, the ulama, the scholars, they say that if you were to be observing a person, and when you observe this person, you would assume that they are not praying. Rather, they are fidgeting so much that you couldn't determine that the person is praying. Then this would be one of the ways of determining that this action that the person is doing is a lot. Another way, another dhabit, a controlling rule that they give for determining whether these actions are a lot or not, is that the person, the situation goes back to the urf. Urf means custom, customary norms. So if a community of people hold that these actions that the person is doing is a lot and they're customarily norms, then it would be considered as being a lot and therefore the prayer would be invalidated. That's another way of knowing if the uh, actions are a lot or not. Another point to mention here with regards to 
if the actions are a lot, is that these actions, they should be continual. So it's not the case that somebody in one rakah starts to itch their head and they do this twice. And then in the second rakah, they itch their chest twice. And in the third rakah, they itch their ear twice. So, so far you've got six different actions that have taken place, which are not from the actions of the prayer. And these are many, there are six. However, because the person did them in separate rakah, in separate units of prayer, all together they are not considered a lot. However, if they were all six of them done in one unit of the prayer, they will be considered to be a lot. So what's considered a lot is if they are done together, not in separate raka'at. This is also another factor that the person has to consider. In any case, what the author was saying to us as a, as a, as a conclusion of what he's saying is that if you do actions which are not legislated from the prayer and they are a lot, then this will break your prayer. Okay? If the movements done in the prayer which are not legislated from the prayer are a lot, however they are due to necessity, then this won't break your prayer. For example, a mother is praying, and as she's praying, she sees her child going towards something which is going to harm the child. So she then makes quite a few movements to get to the child and to save the child from that harm. Or a person is praying outside and then some, some harm is coming to them, and they run from that harm that is coming to them. This is a lot of actions. However, they are actions due to necessity. And based upon that, the prayer is not going to be invalidated. So if these extra actions, which are not legislated in the prayer, are many, however, they are done out of necessity, then it doesn't break the prayer. The author, he said, وَإِنْ كَانَ يَسِيرًا If these actions which are not legislated in the prayer are a little, كَفَعْلِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ فِي حَمْلِهِ أُمَامًا like the Prophet ﷺ carried his uh, granddaughter Umama and opening the door for Aisha So the Prophet ﷺ did these small actions in the prayer and um, the important thing is that when the Prophet ﷺ opened the door for Aisha he didn't turn away from the Qibla the door was in the direction of the Qibla that's an important point to note also So small actions as we've mentioned do not break the prayer so an example of this would be, for example, if somebody is praying in congregation or even by themselves and the phone starts to ring, they forgot to switch the mobile phone off uh, and that could cause a nuisance to the one or to the people that are praying, they can easily take out the phone, they can switch the phone off. Okay, That is considered as being a small action and it wouldn't disturb, it wouldn't invalidate the person's prayer. Likewise, if a person is praying with other people in the masjid, in the women's section or the men's section, and they're opens up a gap in the row in front of them. They are allowed to take steps to close that gap in the row in front of them and this would not invalidate the prayer because they are only a few actions and there would be no need for a prostration for the two prostrations of forgetfulness at the end regarding these scenarios. The author, after having spoken about the extra actions in the prayer, he, know, he now goes on to al-darbothani. Al-darbothani meaning the second category of why you would need to do sujood al-sahu why you would need to do the prostrations of forgetfulness he says an-naqs an-naqs is the shortcomings in the prayer meaning that you've left out something in the prayer which has to be there he gives the example he says kanisyan wajib like the forgetting of an obligatory act like the forgetting of a wajib fa'in qama an tashahud al-awwal and he gives the example of the first tashahud in a prayer that has two Tashahuds. So he says the person forgets the first tashahud 
and instead of sitting after the second rak'ah for the first tashahud, gets up straight away and starts to pray the third rak'ah. فَذَكَرَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَسْتَتِمَّ قَائِمَ رَجَعَ So if the person forgets this tashahud al-awwal, the first tashahud, and they start to stand up for a third rak'ah, however they remember before they complete standing up, then this person returns, returns to the tashahud al-awwal, and does the tashahud al-awwal as they should have done, and continues to prayer. فَأَتَى بِهِ وَإِنْ يَسْتَتَمَّ قَائِمًا لَمْ يَرْجَعَ However, if the person from the tashahud al-awwal leaves the tashahud al-awwal and stands up for a third rakah and actually completes the standing up, then in this situation the author says that the person doesn't return. So the ulama, they discuss this and they say there's three cases in this situation of leaving the wajib. And the wajib here, the example given, is the tashahud al-awwal. The first situation that the person remembers that they have left out the tashahud al-awwal before completing the standing, before standing up, completely for the third rakah. In this situation, it's obligatory to return and to complete the tashahud al-awwal. The second situation that the person remembers after standing up, but before starting the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, which is the next rukan, the next pillar. In this situation, the person, it's makru, it's dislike for them to return to the, tash- to the wajib, which was the tashahud al-awwal. The third situation, when the person stood up forgetfully, is that the person started to recite the Surah Al-Fatiha of the next rak'ah and then remembered that they forgot to do the Tashahud Al-Awwal, the wajib. In this situation, it's forbidden to go back because they have now started a new rukun. The new rukun was the Surah Al-Fatiha and they started a new rak'ah. So in this situation, the person cannot go back to the wajib. He leaves the wajib and he will make or she will make the two prostrations of forgetfulness thereafter. So anytime you're in the salah and you leave out a wajib, if you have left the position of that wajib, you cannot then go back to that wajib because you've now reached a pillar. So you've left in the situation that we explained, you left the shahadul awwal, which was the wajib, and you fully stood up, you got to the next rukan, which was starting the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, then you cannot go back to the wajib. What you do instead is at the end of the prayer, you make two prostrations, whether you do that before the taslim or after the taslim. And doing it before the taslim is generally found to be easier. So any wajib which is left to the salah would be treated in such a manner. The author, he says, also speaking about forgetting uh, actions in the salah, وَإِن نَسِيَ رُكْنًا If a person leaves off forgets a pillar from the prayer. We spoke about wajib. We're going to speak about a pillar now, a rukun in the prayer. If a person leaves off a rukun in the prayer, other than the first takbir, because if the first takbir is left off, it means that the salah has not even started. It hasn't been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for in English? It hasn't been contracted, okay, legally. It hasn't even started. لَمْ يَنْعَقِدْ الصَّلَاةِ As they say in the, the Arabic. وَإِنَّسِيَ رُكْنًا Other than the first takbir. Uh, so if he leaves off a pillar, فَذَكَرَهُ فَذَكَرَهُ قَبْلَ شُرُوئِهِ فِي قِرَاءَةِ رَقْعَةٍ أُخْرَى رَجَعَ فَأَتَ بِهِ وَبِمَا بَعْدَهُ If a person leaves off a pillar, whether that pillar be a ruku, for example, or a sujood, for example, right? The person, as soon as they remember that they have left off this ruku or the sujood, so let's say, for example, a person is in the second sajda, and they have now remembered that they forgot the raqu, 
which was supposed to be done before they got to the position of sujood. What they do is that they leave the sujood, they go back to the ruku because it's a pillar. They do that pillar and they continue thereon. And at the end of the prayer, they will make two prostrations of forgetfulness. However, if the pillar has been left and they only remembered after they started the recitation of the next raka, then what's going to take place is that the, the unit, the raka, wherein the pillar was left, is now considered as obsolete and it is removed from the prayer. So for example, if you're in the second raka, you've got up from the, for the second unit of prayer, you started to write, recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And you remember that the ruku of the first prayer, of the first unit of prayer, you forgot to do it. So now it's too late for you to go back to it because you've already gotten to the recitation of the next uh, unit of prayer. So that, that first unit of prayer, that first raka is considered as obsolete. It's removed from the number of raka'at, number of uh, units that you are supposed to pray. So the one, the second raka that you are now in is going to take its place and will become your first raka'at. So anytime you leave off a rukun, you leave off a pillar and you remember it, you have to go back to it. As long as you have not reached the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha in your next raka'at. If that's the case that you've reached the Surah Al-Fatiha in your next raka'at, then the unit before it, where you left out the rukun, is obsolete, and the one that you are in now will take its place. The author, he said, وَإِن ذَكَرَهُ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ And if the person remembers after the Surah Al-Fatiha, after starting the Surah Al-Fatiha, بَطَلَتْ أَرَّكَةَ الَّتِي تَرَكَهُ مِنْهَا As I mentioned, that when the person reaches the point where he remembers or she remembers once starting the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, then the raka'ah before is now going to be obsolete, and the one that you're in now will take its place. If it's a situation that you have left the rakah, the, ruk- the rukun, you've left the pillar. We're not talking about wajib, we're talking about rukun. If it's a situation where you have left the pillar, the rukun, and you didn't remember except after the taslim, after you've made assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, if not much time has elapsed, and you haven't spoken about any worldly issues, or you haven't left the masjid, if you happen to be in the masjid, then you would go back to that rukun, you would complete it, and you would continue, okay, you would com- continue the rakah to the end of the tashahud, and you would make the prostrations, and then you would make the taslim, okay? So if you left uh, out a rukun, you left out a pillar, and you only remembered after the taslim, and not much time has elapsed, then you go back to that pillar that you left out, and you continue the salah after it, meaning you continue the unit of the prayer, the rakah, and the tashahud al-akhir, okay? And then you make the taslim, and you make the two prostrations of forgetfulness. However, if you left the masjid, or you spoke uh, something of a worldly nature, something to do with the world, some kind of conversation to do with worldly matters, then that would mean that the prayer has been invalidated, and you would have to start again from the beginning. The author now, he gives a practice example, he gives a practical example of getting us to think about a situation where a rukun is left off and what we would do in that situation. He said, وَإِن نَسْيَ أَرْبَعَ سَجَدَاتٍ مِنْ أَرْبَعَ رَكَعَاتٍ A person prayed for raka'ah. But in each of these units of prayers, instead of praying two sajdas, two sujood, he only or she only made one sajda. 
So in each of the four raka'at, they only made one sajda. فَذَكَّرَ فِي تَشَهُدُ الْأَخِيرِ Then the person is in the last tashahud, they remember. While sitting in the last tashahud, they remember that they didn't make the sajdas. سَجَدَ فِي الْحَالِ So then in that situation, the person straight away goes into a prostration. فَصَحَتْ لَهُ رَكَعَ So now what's happened, the person has made two prostrations which have made one raka valid. ثُمَّ يَأْتِ بِثَلَاثِ and then the person continues and makes up the rest of the prayer, the rest of the three raka'at. So the author is giving the example of a person that prayed four units of prayer. In each unit, they left out one sajda. Now in the last tashahud, the person remembers that he's left out a, tashahud, a, a sajda in each unit. So immediately the person prostrates for a second prostration. And that will cause the last Raka, the fourth raka, to now become valid. And it will take the place, it will become the first raka, because it's the only one that has in it two prostrations. And then the person continues the prayer, making up the next three raka'at, and prostrates at the end of the prayer. And this happens. A person can be newly married or something, gets so excited, you know, unable to concentrate, and this weird situation can take place. The author says, فَمَتَى شَكَّ فِي تَرْكِي رُقْنٍ فَهُوَ كَتَرْكِهِ Whenever a person has doubt, shak, this word shak, it means doubt. And doubt, technically, in jurisprudence, in fiqh, it means that a person has two possibilities, 50% this way, 50% that way, and the person is unable to determine which is the correct of the matters. So it's, it's either 50% this way or it's 50% that way. So when the person is in a situation where they have doubt as to leaving off a rukn, did I leave it off or did I not leave it off? 50% I left it off, 50% I didn't leave it off, then the ruling is, The ruling is given that you treat it as though you did leave it off. Okay, why? Because al-asl adumul fi'l. Al-aslu adumul fi'l. That the... A, that the ruling given is that you take it as the original the original situation is that you didn't do the action okay so when you have shak when you have these doubts or 50 per, 50 50 i i could have left it or i could have done it you take it as being that you left it and then you go and you deal with the situation of the prayer as though you left the pillar out okay and you continue the prayer in that manner you go back and you complete the rukan and you continue the prayer as we described. So when a person has doubt, they treat it as though they have left out the rukan. With regards to having doubt in leaving off a wajib, then the person in this situation, there is no sujood sahu Because once you've left the wajib, as we mentioned, once you've left the position of the wajib, you cannot go back to it. Rather, you make the prostrations of forgetfulness at the end of the prayer for the wajib that you have left off. The author, he said, وَإِن شَكَّ فِي عَدَدِ رَكَعَاتِ If the person has a doubt pertaining to the number of raka'at, did I pray three raka'at, did I pray four raka'at, am, am I in the second raka'at, or am I in the first raka'at? Then the person acts upon certainty. And certainty in the situation of if you're not sure, am I in the third raka'at, or am I in the fourth raka'at, you take it to be the least number, which is the third. So if you're in the second raka'at, and you're not sure, is it the first or the second? You take it to be the first. You take the least of the numbers that you're having doubts 
with regards to as which unit of prayer you are in. Because the Prophet said in Sahih Muslim, If a person has doubt in the prayer and he's not sure as to how many units the person prayed, did I pray three? Did I pray three or four? Then the person leaves off this doubt and the person continues upon what is certain. And what is certain is that the person goes to the lesser number. So if you have a doubt, is it the fourth rakah or the third? You treat it as the third. If you have a doubt, is it the second rakah or the first rakah? You treat it as the first. The author, he says, an exception from this rule, إِلَّا الْإِمَامِ خَاصَةً Except for the imam. Except for the one who is the imam. فَإِنَّهُ يَبْنِي عَلَى غَالِبِ ظَنِّهِ For in this situation, the person acts upon غَالِبِ ظَنِّهِ غَلَبَةُ الظَّنِّ that person acts upon what is known as غلبت الظن غلبت الظن is like shak it's like doubt but the person is you know leaning towards that this one is more possible so it's not 50-50 it's leaning towards 60-70 that this this course of action is more possible that probably I'm in the third and the reason the imam is allowed to act upon this is because the imam has behind them um, those followers that are going to correct the imam Right? If the imam has made a mistake as to the number of the raka'at, somebody behind him will correct the imam. So that's why this imam is allowed to act in this manner. The author, he says, And for every forgetfulness in the prayer, okay, in every situation where you forgot or even when you had a doubt, okay, um, or you had an increase, whether you, had a, whether you left something out, whether you had a doubt, whether you increased something. In each situation, there's going to be prostrations uh, before the salam, before you say salamu alaykum, إِلَّا مَنْ سَلَّمَ أَنْ نَقْسٍ فِي صَلَاتِهِ Except for the one who makes the taslim while something is still missing from the prayer. And remember we said that when the, what the author is talking about now, and any other author, they're talking about afdaliyah, that is preferred to act in this manner, that you make the prostrations of forgetfulness in the situation that they are describing. Otherwise, we said that it's okay for you, there's nothing upon you whatsoever, that you can choose to make the, the prostrations after the taslim, or you can choose to do the prostration before the taslim. So the author, he's saying for every prostration of forgetfulness, it's to be before the taslim, except in the situation of the person who forgot something from the prayer. Or the Imam, wal Imam ala Or the Imam who acts upon what we just described as Ghalib the salam. And for the one who forgot to do the prostration that they determined should have been done before the taslim. So the person holds it as his fiqh opinion that I should do the prostrations before the taslim. So this person forgot to do the, taslim, the prostration before the taslim, so then this person, of course, makes the two prostrations after the taslim. And then, if you do the prostrations after the taslim, you, um, you do the prostrations after the taslim, you make the tashahud al akhir again, and you make the taslim again. Okay? Uh, the Sheikh, the Imam, he says, It's not for the Ma'mum. The Ma'mum doesn't have to make a sujood sahu. 
And if you remember that Ma'mum is the one who is praying behind an Imam. Unless in a situation where the Imam makes a mistake and is going to prostrate for the mistake that they have made. So if you're following the Imam, you follow the Imam in the Imam's prostration. However, any mistakes that you make whilst praying behind the Imam, you do not have to make um, the prostrations of forgetfulness for the mistakes that you make. Why? Because we said in previous lessons, Al-Imamu Dhamin, that the Imam is the one that guarantees your prayer. He protects your prayer when praying behind the Imam. And that is one of the benefits of praying in congregation all the time. That not only do you get 27 more times reward for praying in congregation, but you also get that the Imam is protecting your mistakes that you may uh, do in the Salat. The author, he said, وَمَنْ سَهَا إِمَامُهُ and if the Imam makes a mistake in the prayer, or somebody wants to correct the Imam in the prayer, then the men behind the Imam, they should say Subhanallah. They say Subhanallah to bring the Imam's attention to the fact that he has made a mistake in the, in the Salah. And the Tasfiq for the Nisa. Um, tasfiq, clapping for the women. Why? Because in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا نَابَكُمْ شَيْءٌ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَلْيُسَبِّحُ الرِّجَالِ وَلْيُسَفِّقَ النِّسَاءِ That if something, uh, wants, if you have to notify the Imam of something in the Salah, that they've made a mistake, then it's um, the tasbih, فَلْيُسَبِّحَ الرِّجَالِ Then the men should say, SubhanAllah, and the women, التَّصْفِيقِ وَلْيُسَفِّقَ النِّسَاءِ That the women, they should clap. And the ulama, that they mentioned that the clap is with the inner hand, the inner part of one hand on the outer part of the other, of the other, like the inner onto the outer of the other hand. Okay, not like so, like so. This is what is recommended, or to clap onto the thigh. And if you were to do like so, then it's not a problem, but it's not what is recommended. What is recommended, based upon guidance that the ulama have derived, is that the inner hand upon the outer, and the or you can do from the hand to the thigh. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because the mushrikeen, the polytheists, uh, the idolaters, uh, the idol worshippers in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, one of the ways that they would worship in their made-up uh, acts of worship is that they would whistle and that they would clap around the Kaaba. So clapping is not to be part of our worship. It's not, we're not supposed to clap. So therefore, if you have to use a clap, to um, notify the imam of his mistake, then you would do it in the way that I mentioned, with the inner hand on the outer, okay, or against the thigh, so as to avoid uh, copying what the kuffar of the time of the Prophet ﷺ used to do in their times of worship. As we know that one of the principles uh, in Islam is that we try to be, uh, we not try that we're, we're, it's an obligation upon us to differ from that which is specific to the non-Muslims. So something which is specific to the non-Muslims in their acts of worship or their uh, celebrations or their appearances, then we have to avoid that as much as possible as mentioned by the Prophet I'm going to stop here inshallah. Quite a technical uh, section. Uh, do go back and listen to the uh, explanation that hopefully would help you. And uh, if you have any questions on the topic, then hopefully we can answer for that, that for you now. Inshallah, any mistakes were from myself and shortcomings, anything which was correct was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.